Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller. I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and achieve together. This is my Functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the physical and mental capacity to actually help ourselves. And we're talking about how personal relationships are likely to make or break you. And this is finishing out the four pillars of functional medicine. Uh, In episode 1025, we talked about the vital relationship between your body and mind. In episode 1028, the relationship you have with yourself. Here then we talk about relationships with other people. I think we all know that we have positive and negative effects in regards to our relational health with other people or lack thereof. But from a medical standpoint, I mean, literal pathologies of body and mind, it's just not something that we talk about how it really manifests. And if a stressful marriage is causing you anxiety, anger, despair, it's eating away at you, it can cause physical and mental problems. And chances are 99.9% that any traditional medical doctor is not going to ask you about those. They're just going to look at the symptom and treat it with a pharmaceutical. That's exactly what happened with my co-host, Dr. Randy James. Now he learned to go deep and that's what we're going to talk about. But generally you're left taking a drug to mask and manage a symptom that you have no idea it's being caused by relational strife in your life. I mean, we have dramatically impacting relationships with family and friends and coworkers, employees, business partners, and more. We can do great exercise, get good nutrition, solid sleep that will help us withstand challenging relationships, but ultimately negative relationships are going to take us down a notch or 10. It doesn't matter how mighty a man or woman you may be. So how does it really affect you and what can you do about it? That is our show today. If you find value from the Self-Helpful Podcast, subscribe, leave a review about this episode so people can know what to expect. And the best thing you can do is talk about what you learn here with someone else. Well, hey, next up, Dr. James and I talk about the literal health consequences of our relationships with other people. Okay, so as we were just about to start talking and I said, let's stop and record this. We're talking about relationships. Nobody has not heard, I don't think, that, hey, relationships are important for your life. And maybe they've heard them in regards to your you know, health and wellness. Maybe not, though. And that's where I wanted to hit. Let's just get to the tangible nuts and bolts of uh, you have a practice, medical practice. People come in. You're a medical doctor. I got this problem. Fix me. And how, and I didn't know how to ask it, how often or how much would you say the issues are attributed or, you know, portion to bad relationships or, you know, poor relational stress? Right. I, even, even you struggling with the words on, on this question reflects the bigness, if you will, the infinite sort of depth of this problem. And we have touched on it as we've gone through our, our series because it's, it's always there. And I was just getting ready to explain to you how the sort of algorithm or mental picture that I have in, in talking with myself or with you or with anybody about XYZ problem or ABC goals. And it's this. If we have 
a thousand people in this camp, if, if people would, as they're listening to me, imagine that we're doing a randomized controlled trial, which I know people don't think about all the time, but it's a, it's a, it's a study in a medical journal. We've got a thousand people over here and they would describe themselves as having a really probably most common would be just a tough marriage. You know, it's, it's, is, is your marriage really good or, or are you struggling with it? And they said, you know what, we're struggling. Or maybe the second most common would be, gosh, I just can't stand my workplace. So a thousand people who yeah. say, I am struggling in my marriage. And a thousand people over here who say, my marriage is not perfect, but it's good. It's sustaining. We're working on it. I, I don't have major complaints. And then we follow these two groups over time. Which group has more pathology? Yeah. I mean, just the numbers in this case are astounding. If we just, if doctors went around the world and said, okay, let's just work on marriages, how much of a reduction in the chronic illness and disease of America especially would, would we see? And, of course, this will never get done. It's a, it's a conjecture, but just imagine. And that's where I, 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 okay, so now we're in the office and we're talking about it. Somebody, a lot of people don't want to hear that from me. They're like, you know what, I got it, but I need, a, I need something right now. Oh, have you ever had somebody just say, uh-uh, we're not going there? Oh, yeah. And they don't say that they'll tear up and then I'll back away and I'll just, or if they're a younger person and this is related to parents or a history of abuse or, or any kind of one of those things. And if, if people just defensively bow up and say, we're not going there and I kind of raise my eyebrows at them, Uh they know. Well, and you said something there made me think of bullying. There's, what a huge topic that, that yeah. I have no concept. I saw it done a little bit when I was a kid in school. Very little. I never had it. I was always the biggest. Uh, well, surprise. <laughs> I knew you were going to I was. I really was. I got pictures to prove it. Something happened. I have some pathology along the way, and I'm not the biggest anymore. But, uh, but bullying, man, that's huge. And we look at that and just think of... Mental health or, or mental well-being, a kid's self-image. I don't think that we, as a culture, are taking that into you know, what physical manifestations does the kid have now, or if not now, where is it going to lead to down it's, the road? It's 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 so big. And when you said that, you know, I just it the, the heartache because we have kids that are that age, yeah. you know, middle school, and. The, the bullying that you just mentioned is typically not how kids are bullied these days. It's cyberbully. So, and, and one of the things about that is when, you know, if we got bullied at school, uh, we would figure out how to get around it. And, and, and uh, I actually did have a rough year. In seventh grade, I lived in Hawaii, and there was this, you know, this, well, racial issue that was going on back there. And you learn to navigate with cyberbullying, you never get away. It's 24-7 constant awareness mm. that somebody's picking on you, somebody's putting a po- picture up of you, or or whatever. And the impact of that, that's part of what we're seeing in, in the suicide uptick, is, is our young people today don't have a place to put this in, in their heads. They're, you can't get away from it. And if their if their home isn't very safe or something like that, it it uh, and so the physical manifestation is so grave 
that it is even over here in the suicide category much uh, and of course the depression or the anxiety or or even if i'm thinking of a 15 year old and and they don't say the word anxiety or whatever they say uh, the the fomo the fear of missing out or mm-hmm. i don't have enough likes or whatever the the language is for kids these days and the mom is just raising her eyebrows at me saying do something yeah and this kid and so this is kind of a different topic compared to our listeners, but maybe they, many of them have kids, but working with teenagers today is, is so tough because they know so much more because they have the World Wide Web. They have any answer they want at their fingertips. And so I come along and chime in with my happy self about, you know, change your diet or whatever, and it just <laughs> it goes flat. Yeah. You know, so... Well, let me, even on that, as we're talking about kids real quick, or let's just say youth, which are not the majority of what you have in the practice, but generally when you do get a teen in the practice, my experience, which was not near as intimate as yours, is I seldom witnessed that youth coming in here that didn't look like, man, there's some emotional turmoil, and I would guess relational either with parents or yeah school one or the other usually by the time they're coming to me that it there is a physical manifestation and and that's and so now we can we can go on that in a in a kid and in that young mental aspect they can see the pain like you have we've talked about so often they can see and feel the pain and let's say acne or something like that and it's kind of like all right you're you're a smart person whether you're 15 or 18 and, you know, can you change your nutrition in order to give your body what it needs? Or you're going to go down a pathway of Accutane or whatever else, which is not wrong, but it's, it's a Band-Aid. Yeah. And, and if there is also, which there almost always is, a connection, I would say teenage-wise, <clears throat> teenage it's, it's less often verbally depression. I'd say more often verbally they identify with anxiety. Mm-hmm. performance and what do people think about me and uh, how are my fr- how am i with my friends and that fuel and i would say imagine that acne outbreak on your brain goodness and that in your brain just can't settle or just can't fall asleep or just can't take a deep breath and be okay that phrase i think we had it last time about you know sit alone with yourself in a room for 15 minutes yeah. Imagine that's a young 16-year-old female, right? You and I always picture ourselves in that room by ourselves, but imagine that and, and to, to ask that of young people today who are getting pummeled and their brains are trained to have a new thought every 30 seconds or so of good, bad, I like it, I give it a thumbs up, or, or I don't, and to pull them away from that and say one of the reasons for your anxiety is you are, you are in this place of of in our theme of your relationship with people through the social media is not right. Yeah. And the physical consequences can then be anything. Well, and so I want to hit on that. We talked in, uh, you know, one of the previous shows, the relationship with the, uh, with your environment in essence. So if we talk mold, mold's a hot topic today. So if I come in, if I came in here to my office Every day I live at home and it's fine or vice versa. Either way, one of them's fine. The other one though has a, a mold issue, a, a very real mold. Issue. So I'm sitting for however time or sleeping or whatever, breathing in this toxic air. And we're seeing people who are suffering 
to dramatic degrees from that. So let's just as a muse to take that to say, if you have a toxic relationship, a word gets used a lot. It seems kind of exaggerated to some degree, but a, 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 a negative relationship, you know, on the Ziegler show, we talk about negativity so much and negative relationships, how much those drag you down. So again, we're back to a spouse who is whatever disrespectful, distant, um, whatever it may be, or in the work environment, a coworker who is antagonistic or a manager or a boss, or even just somebody who is just negative. There's nothing bad towards you, but you have to sit and listen to them go through their diatribe every day of negativity or gossip, which is generally all negative. We don't sit around and gossip, good gossip. They don't have that. Somebody can create that, but it doesn't exist. The office grapevine, the, the gossip to the point to where you have Dave Ramsey. Many people know him as a financial guru and in his, they just built some new high rise office thing. I have no idea how many employees he has back when I heard this, I think he had 300. He may have a thousand today. I have no idea, but I think it's an, it's a gossip policy. And if you are caught gossiping, you are fired, which I don't even know you can do that with HR laws and stuff. Apparently you can, he's getting away with it. But to that, he, he realizes the, the toxicity to that degree. And so I don't know what the stats are and how many people have that in their life, but we're talking right here. You're hearing, do you have that in your life? And if you do as ever with everything here, we're elevating the gravity of it and saying that is going to manifest to some degree. And, and everybody does have that in their lives. So no relationship is perfect. You're back on your spectrum. I'm right? back on, on spectrum. That's right. We can't, uh, right. And, okay. and the sunshine is shining in the window and I see the, you don't see them, but I see the dust motes. You are breathing in mold right now. That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. So, we are back to, you know, how much are you willing to tolerate and, and elevating the gravity of recognizing if there is significant relational stress, then so many people are in our culture, we're taught and we're encouraged, just drive on, don't make waves, uh, get the next thing done. And, and of course, then we wind up hurting the ones we love the most, or we wind up hurting ourselves and... And so the point of this today is to is is really is to cause people to stop and think and evaluate, especially somebody who might have a long list of X Y Z symptoms, and if they haven't dealt with and they know deep down this is an issue, mm-hmm. then our encouragement is going to be don't keep hoping that the next medicine is going to make you feel better, the next or the next supplement or the next bottle of wine or the next movie or the next vacation. When the root or one of the root issues is this relational toxicity, and the other the other person might not even know it, and it might be just unmet expectations, right? The person might have wild expectations that aren't getting met, and it's not even a toxic relationship. You have toxic expectations. Okay, thank you, because I had that down here because I wanted to take it away from the over here. We have this, you know, negative and toxic and whatever. And I think some people are going to hear that and go, man, I. I don't, I patterned my life. I've got a great supportive spouse or I'm, you know, I'm single and I've got supportive people that I hang out with and they may not have somebody that they have as an avatar of negativity. But over here, I experienced the very real downfall that is in regards to relationships, but it was more so my personal expectations I put on myself towards my wife. 
my kids, you as my business partner, the employees here, whatever, and got to a point, I'll never forget it, a couple of years ago of, of realizing, man, I am just at a, an emotional limit. And it was pretty much all self-imposed. I didn't have a finger to point to or think, man, this person is dragging me down, but it was my relationship to myself, how I thought I should, uh, how I should be achieving. I was trying to be Superman, uh, to that. And then, uh, well, gosh, and then, well, I guess it has been a couple of years now, you know, that I had, uh, we'll call it a business relationship, uh, with that, that had some conflict in it that I don't do conflict. Well, and I finally came into you go, man, I am wigging out. I think we talked about this before. And I said, just, I, I need a, I need a bandaid right now here. I need a bandaid and you prescribed, I think a Zoloft type thing that mm-hmm. didn't help at all. It didn't, that wasn't the issue. It was me just, you know, chilling out and, and getting over it, but it was relational and it wasn't what somebody was doing to me so much. It was my own expectation. So when you said that, I thought how many people are over here stressed out because they want to perform, they want to do good. That's still relationally bent because if nobody existed, if, if my business partners, my spouse, my kids didn't exist and there's nobody to achieve for me, I'm, I, to realize I'd be, I'd be kind of at peace. Well, something's wrong there, buddy. That's right. I'm doing that to myself. So there's another aspect of relational, a, a bad response to stress, as you would say. Yes. That you, in that case, it was self-imposed mm-hmm. and yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people and probably a lot of people in this audience are in the category of high expectations, high performance. Yeah. Um, the teenagers yeah. that I was mentioning. I wonder if this will resonate with more people than the average audience even. Because I, w- I would think so. That's why they're listening is, is trying to think through this, these kinds of problems through a bigger lens, getting to the root causes and being willing to assess your own expectations of yourself, of your spouse, of your boss, of your coworkers. And, and we do, we live in a culture that teaches us everybody else is to blame, blame, right? That's kind of the theme is that, and then even in the, you know, politically correct world and, and I'm not in that world so much, but the universities have these safe places where nobody's allowed to say anything that might offend anybody else on the planet. So meaning the expectation of Everybody, if I hurt, it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. And it takes a wiser, more humble person to be able to think through that and say, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it is me. Yeah. And in fact, that's, that's one of my favorite quotes from, Mal, um, from Malcolm Muggeridge. He was asked by a reporter as a famous guy and said, you know, what is the, what is the main thing wrong in the world today? And his answer, I am. There's personal responsibility 101 there. That's a great, I haven't heard of that line. I don't think, well, I mean, if we look at, I was thinking about the, you know, the two top mental stresses, I didn't do the research on this, but I think we would all, uh, experientially say it's, it's usually around finances and relationships. When we hear people talking about it, it's usually around those. When we look at the increase in anxiety, depression, and suicide, to say that relational, it's usually, it's, it's seldom from an isolated person. It's in response to other people. So you and I have a good friend who's talked about this publicly. So I can say his name, Jonathan Poole. He's an incredible uh, coach and consultant. And his personal story that he shares is he came from a very difficult emotional upbringing. 
uh, with his parents. And he has a story there, but he ended up on his back, chronically ill on his mm, back. Man. He was an engineer. He rigged a contraption to where he had a laptop uh, above him uh, on his bed. And he was stuck there. He, w- he was there. Of course, nobody could diagnose what's wrong or whatever. He ultimately got counseling and yada, yada. Ultimately, he says it was, and there you use the line already, the physical manifestation of emotional pain. His chronic illness had nothing to do or what he felt like ultimately with his physio with any physiological malady, what he ate, exercised, slept, whatever it was emotional pain that he was not dealing with. It was cognitive dissonance, uh, which there's a guy, Benjamin Hardy, who wrote the book willpower doesn't work. And he talked about that to a degree when we are fighting, you know, a challenging situation, there's a limit to that. There's a limit to how much we can do that. So again, now we're back to just the everyday auditing our lives and what's going on. And yet, and then I love the truth of you. You find somebody and they have a literal physical manifestation. This hurts. This is not working. I have brain fog. I have whatever. And I, so I don't know that you've ever come and said, man, these, of course you haven't. The sole (laughs) cause is your husband or your boss or your whatever. But, but you have absolutely said, uh, for somebody that the most acute thing happening right now that you feel like is causing, uh, this, their, their manifestation, whatever it may be. One of the main things is this relationship. And you've had people, I remember this early on where you said, man, the thing you need to do most more than changing your eating diet, sleep is go get marriage counseling. Right. There, the, and I think a lot of people will have heard stories about that over time. It's not that crazy to think that one lady who had horrific psoriasis for 30 years was in an abusive relationship and she finally got a divorce and her skin clears up in a week. So that's, we can all comprehend that. But here's what you can't and what I as a doc can't do is I would never have gone to that lady, you know, five years ago or 15 or 20 or whatever else. And, and never, we could not have said, you know, I think this is your marriage. You know, you're clearly, you've got a a tough marriage over here and, and your psoriasis must be related to that. If you go to the psoriasis textbook, there's no statements in there on relationships and all of that kind of thing. So it, it does boggle the mind in a sense of you cannot draw the line of A plus B plus equals this kind of a D and yet, that story is not that uncommon. But you can't, or I should say, in our society, people will never put this thing first. If your skin itches and hurts, you don't go, oh my gosh, maybe my expectations are too high. You think, what did I touch? What kind of medicine do I need? I got to get out of this problem now because I got to do this presentation. Uh, last week, we had a woman, and she, <laughs> I loved it. She called it her neck monster. She had this huge red rash around her neck, and she's a professional presenter. So she's wearing scarves, and she's oh, just wow. hating this neck monster. And you know, at that point in time, I, I, I was like, all right, well, steroids. But she said, nope, because they hurt me in the past, so we did a different pathway, and it took a little bit longer, and it's better. And uh, in her case, we also, you know, the, the, the stressful response of her with a tough boss, a tough job, and all those kind of things is a part of it. Not the only thing. And, and that's where I, I do love functional medicine, what I do, because we put that front and center. That's what today's show is about, is that your relationships and your perception of your own relationships, and as we have laid out our four pillars, uh, this is the one 
and in the clinic I call them foundations or cornerstones, this is the chief cornerstone. Relationships, meaning mind, body, soul with yourself, with your faith, with your God. And then this one today with people is part of the chief cornerstone of well-being. And yet, I thought you were going to say this, and yet probably the most neglected, which makes me feel ashamed that we have this as the last of our cornerstone <laughs> show here. No, no, no. It's because we're elevating. Okay, this is, the, this this is this. the last biggest one. The anchor. <laughs> the, the anchor. The anchor show, which is, is really, but we have said that. No, I, I have said that. I'll own this. That in all my efforts for personal development in these areas, my exercise, my eating, my sleep, um, my mental growth, my all what historically over my 48 years has, has not been the priority, my marriage until it's critical. And I'm just like everybody else. It's till, until it's critical. And that's when we go get counseling and, and whatnot. And yet it is. And, and you know, I want to bring up something there too, that I, I have realized over time that me, I'll say Kevin Miller, but I'll also say as a man that the state of my marriage generally will, if it's, if it's, I'm having a hard time, it will, it will cloud or buoy everything that I am doing mm-hmm. to a great mm-hmm. degree. If I am in a bad place with my wife, I can't shake it. Um, and I've been frustrated sometimes that I feel like she can, I mean, not that she doesn't, uh, that she minimizes it, but she can go about her day and, and do whatever. And what we've realized, I'm going to talk to you about this in recent times is gosh, and does this get, is this getting into evolution or faith-based issues? Well, if it does, I don't care. It's our show. Uh, is, you know, I, I think that as the man, and I'm going to say as a protector, put ourselves way back when, when she was nursing a kid, I I had to go out, kill something, bring it home and protect her from what was trying to kill us and, and bring it home. That makes sense. My focus is for her. And so if we have marriage conflict, maybe it does weigh heavier on me. I'm theorizing here. Whereas her heart is for the kids generally. And so her stressors, she's not going to point to the marriage as a stress to her near as much as the kids. Mm. And the kids don't bother me near as much. It's just, it's just an admission. I mean, I, you know, I, I care about them just as much, but it does not weigh as heavy on, on my heart. We've talked about that openly, Terry and I have, and both fully agree to it. She gets it. She gets it. And it has altered some of our maybe compassion for each other understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that, that she realizes that, man, that is this issue that we had in our marriage. It, I'm struggling with it. And to her, it's a thing. It's important. Not everything. And to me, it's kind of clouded everything. Same thing happens with the kids. though. she's going to come home at night and talk about, or I'm going to come home, you know, at bedtime or whatever. And she's going to talk about, Oh, the stress with the kid and the kid and the kid, man, it's not at the forefront for me. So I, I'll lay that out. There's something we've been playing with. Well, and, and, I, I don't think we could take your story and apply it to everybody else, of course. But what we can take of your story and apply to everybody is that you guys talked about it. Okay. Yeah. The communication, the, the vulnerability of you being able to say, this bothers me and it's kind of pulling me down out here at work or whatever else. And for her to be able to say that, you risked that she might have said, well, you just got to get over it. Because I can't think like you. And and that's kind of what a marriage is, is coming together and, and talking about it through both people's lenses and compromise mm-hmm. and all of that. And once the crack happens and the distance grows, it's always harder to bridge the gap and bridge the gap as, as time goes on. And so, hence, we live in a culture where, again, 
especially the anchor marriage relationship, figures so prominently in chronic well-being or lack of well-being. We're back to our original statement of a thousand people, even in a marriage like you guys, where there's been seasons like that, but the communication is there. And if and if we put you over here in the in the in a camp of a thousand marriages where they communicate and a thousand marriages where they don't very well, who sure. who's going to have more? Like you said, it buoys me, or it doesn't. Yeah. It brings me down, and that bring down is going to eventually have a physical manifestation. Well, and it's this is uh, so I'm I think we're coming out. Well, matter of fact, we're you know going next weekend for a week away, and it's our I can't remember 26th <laughs> anniversary, something like that. I think it is. No, it's twenty. No, it is twenty six. And and we have we've gone through a lot. And I, as an introvert, though my I tend to fall into I don't talk about it. I don't want to deal with the conflict. One and two. Sometimes I feel like talking about it doesn't help. I am I am coming around even on that of saying we have to communicate. Mm-hmm. I have to. And I've had some times even in the past month where I've had an issue and I've waited for the right time, but I said, honey, I got to admit I'm dealing with this. It's not a right or wrong. I'm just struggling with this. If our marriage is a, an entity and unto itself, uh, this crucible, I'm struggling with this and talked about it. And man, I've been amazed a couple of times at how my peace increased with not just holding it in, letting that wall build, enduring. I'm a, I mean, I don't, again, I, I won't say that just as a guy, but it's, I'm a person who tends to veer towards just endurance. It's great if you're a professional cyclist, stinks in your marriage yeah. or, or, or parenting. But, you know, again, coming back to these, when we see these issues, you know, are not benign. When we look at the issues that we're dealing with today, we have, I mean, here, here's some things that I, we all know about affairs. I don't know. I didn't look to see our affairs more or less today than they were before. I don't know. And, and if they're less, is it just because we can fulfill something online through, you know, pornography or whatever. I don't know, but we know it's a very real issue, but some other ones that I thought have got to be coming into these relational stressors are the increased propensity to have adult kids at home. We know that that's an absolute stat as well as, uh, grown parents, uh, the elderly. So now we've got, you know, I don't know if it's just the baby boomers. I don't know how long that span goes, but we have a chunk of this group of your most productive adults who are now more and more having adult kids and their parents in their home, or at least distinctly in their life. I mean, that's got to be jacking up the relational stressors, not using stress as a bad word, but right. stress. Well, I, I, from, from my perspective and having <clears throat> seen, wouldn't go down the a lot kind of category, but again, that's not uncommon. And it never Nobody ever, especially as a male, female, or couple in there says, oh, our lives are so much better since we've brought our parents back into the home and we've got an adult kid back into the or either side, mm-hmm. right? And so on the, the elderly side, that's, that's one of our big topics in the clinic is I don't want to be becoming the kind of old guy that needs to go back into my kids' homes. And, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, I showed you the picture yesterday morning, you know, my dad just fractured his wrist and everything. Uh, and surgery's next week. And our question was, is he the kind of guy that's going to rebound and get back out on the pickleball court where he broke it? Or is he, is this going to be the beginning of the decline? Yeah. And the norm, our, the norm would be the decline. He's 77. And I think a lot of people, it would be a decline. Uh, but our conversation this morning is no, he's, he's buoyed. You use that word and he's looking forward to getting back out there. So, so that's good. But 
in that place, we we do have a sense of, and there again, is it my own perception that I must, I need to take care of my parents as they come back into the home? And I would say, yes, I I would think that way. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it would definitely bring a changing dynamic into my own marriage, my own parenting. On the flip side, though, it sure seems like the adult children in the home seems to be very pathological to all people considered uh, parents. And I've never had anybody say this is a good thing. I I can speak to it and, and I'll, and I'll be, (laughs) I'll I'll be tactful because my adult son will, uh, he listens to most of the shows, listens to most of our shows and Ziggler's show. He'll listen to it and he knows us. We talk openly. So he's, he, he went out, lived out of the home for a good while. Now he's, he, and it helped him realize he does want to live back in this area. He loves Colorado. He's searching for some of the things that he wants to pursue. So of course, you know, you know, take, we, we, he comes and we have plenty of room and, and stay with us. And so on one hand, uh, I mean, we, we have a blast. We play Scrabble. I got a Scrabble partner now and the, the other kids love playing games with their, it's almost like to some of them, it's almost like an uncle because we have such age discrepancies. He's fun. He's helpful. I got somebody to do. He cut, he cut most of our firewood already. I mean, there are great things. We get, we all get along well. And yet for his own personal growth, he knows he needs to be out on his own and he deals with the feelings around that. And I, as his dad, am grappling with that. Hey, do you know, how much do I help over here? Am I supposed to be the Eagle pushing him out of the nest? I mean, those are very real issues that we have to talk about. Otherwise it's so easy for bitterness or shame Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I don't have a magic pill on that other than what you said. We we need to keep talking about it, Uh, keep the channels open. And that's the best that we can do right now. Uh, I, I think, but to your point, is it stress-free? No way. No. As, and, and there's, if I brought my parents in or my wife's parents, would it be stress-free? No way. So, no way. so, so there it is. The, like we said at the beginning, there is no marriage that's stress-free. Parenting oh gosh, is, yeah. is not stress-free. So, well, and, and marriage, just to point out for those who are single, you know, dating, whatever, everybody's going to have significant people in their, in their lives. Any relationship could, comes with stress. And, and I, medically, I would say it's good stress. Well, we've had it. We're business partners who have worked side by side for five years. Five years now, yeah. Five yeah. years now. And I would put us about at the top of the heap of, um, I mean, we are, we're kindred spirits. We just get along well. We resonate well. And that's just a, a gift of God, I think. But there are things that we've had to deal with and we've... We don't like conflict. We're both so conflict averse, so we step around those. But but also, just I think I think if anything, though, I'd say very aware of if we let toxicity come in, it's it's going to kill it. And that's where I think you and I, in our families, in our own relationship, we've been blessed. We've we've. We've both had hard knocks, if you will. We're older. We're not 20. And so so we're willing to do the conversation. We've yeah. learned that kind of thing. And that's, that's, that's where I was going is uh, to, to elevate you and to give you, I think, due praise is that you guys uh, have learned the value of communication and, and you commit to it. You could do yeah. better. Everybody could do better. But compared to where you were, and and now where you are and the testimony of your children um, is is a thing to hold out, not that we're going to, you know, not that people are out there to be becoming the kind of families that people want to aggra- that people want to worship or something. 
But we do want to be becoming good families that are together, that communicate, that stand, knowing that stress is coming, knowing that our parents are going to get old. And, you know, next time my dad might break a hip and my mom can't care for whatever, it's of course we'll take him in and we will communicate and we will bend and it might be a, a bad thing. But that so right now, as I as I am thinking about my own sleep and my own communication, my own nutrition, I want to be becoming the kind of guy who can be there for his family mm-hmm. and talk through the fact that the my own expectations are whatever they are. My parents might have an expectation that is whatever it is, and if there's not a communication, if there's not well beingness already then the chances of this being the straw that breaks the camel's back is is just is higher. And every one of us is now on that spectrum. Yeah. As as the people listen to the podcast driving down the road or, or walking or whatever else to think, okay, what's my relationship with my parents, with my kids, with myself, with my wife? And it's becoming something that's more resilient with a deeper sense of well being and strength, or it's a little shakier. Well, and I want to say something on the communication aspect that with any relationship, I think we would say that's the key to having health that I seldom an admission. I seldom want to communicate. I don't have the desire and I know I often don't do it well. It's more like the fear of God aspect though. Of if I don't, where is this going to lead? And it's generally going to be downhill. And of course we're having the assumption that there's hope in there. And I want to hit on that because what we're ultimately talking about, just no different than our input, you know, food and everything that we're bringing into our, into our heads, our output that we talked about and exercise and all that. And our sleep, there are ways to measure that those things. I and mean, we can do all kinds, you know, there's, there's varying tests. I mean, you have a, a ring that tells you how your sleep was that this is a call to, and it's a, it is a more ambiguous thing and, and less tangible to audit our relationships. If we look at our key relationships, and I think it was uh, Jim Rohn who always gets credited with saying we are ultimately the sum of the five people we hang around with most. If, gosh, mm. if I think about that, it's you um, to some degree, the staff at the office, uh, my wife, my kids, and a handful of friends. I'm not a guy with a zillion close friends. I usually have a handful of, of close friends. That's it. And I would look at those people and are those people I want to emulate that I am getting, uh, they're rubbing good things off on me. I'd say, absolutely. Thank God. But for all of us, that's for everybody. Listen, that is not the case. And there are some out there that are critical in a marriage. And, you know, of course the, the question at the end of this is what do you do? We can't answer that. Uh, of course, it's just the reality of man. If it is toxic, can you fix it? Or do you need to get away from it? And when we get into marriage, of course, we get into all kinds of, uh, different theologies there, but even with work, and I have seen people hold on to a work environment for the golden handcuffs of familiarity of belonging somewhere at least and the paycheck and they'll stay there to the detriment of their own well-being and whether that comes across manifesting as a sore leg it's generally a sore crappy mind and outlook on life uh if if i could say somebody's name um as a patient and over the last few weeks, and there's been just frustration, and and his chief frustration is he doesn't like his job, doesn't like his boss. And so when, you know, and he's working as an engineer, and, <clears throat> you know, then you come home after an eight, ten-hour day, 
and, and like you said, your willpower has just been spent on dealing with yeah. people. He's got nothing left to do his nutrition, exercise, and all that kind of stuff. And so interestingly, I said, you know what? I know I've got a buddy, and he's an engineer of, uh, at a firm. He's the, one of the top guys. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if they're looking for anybody, but may I, send, may I connect you? Nice. And you just send him your resume. Maybe they're looking. So the feedback from that uh, that we got from our nutritionist was, holy cow, she had not seen him brighter he wow. still had his list of issues, but his brighter, his outlook, the mere fact act of going through creating his resume to send it to somebody was medicinal. Well, it's our last show, 12, Hope and Purpose. He, he just he, got, you just got gave a him new a, dose. An, ins, an injection of hope. Yeah. Wow. Go, it, through, and, but on the other side is a toxic work place. Yeah. And again, his own expectations, the other people in there, the, and the reason this is our, our last sort of show in this series is because this is also the most infinite. This is relationships. These are human beings. This is, you, uh, it's almost, we can't even get to the point of talking about it. Like, like you were going, we can't measure this. Yeah. We can't. How do you assess your relationships? Well, you, you do through your own lens, uh, but nobody can tell you you're right or wrong. And, and that creates mostly, in most people in America, sort of a, an, an act of, I can't do anything, right? Then there's that, that sense of helplessness, hopelessness, purposelessness, I'm just stuck here. The golden, the golden shackles of a comfortable job or, or a bad relationship where at least, well, I, I know my bad. I don't want to go out there in the world and get a, what if it's a worse bad? Um, and, and the physical maladies that are attached to that are also infinite. It can do anything. Well, and this gets into just, yeah, with the, with the relation, if there are challenging, can I say relationships in your life, you know, what is, how, how toxic are they? What is your ability to be resilient? And as I thought about that, I thought, man, mine, mine is probably not that great when it comes down to it. So I don't sit here talking about this topic as somebody's arrived. I have patterned my life around a way that I can withstand. I struggle with authority. In a big way, I struggle with somebody telling me what to do, and I patterned my life to be an entrepreneur. That's not the only reason, but man, it's a big one. It, it absolutely is. So, you know, for somebody to be in an environment where they are not appreciated, which is one of the top mm, yeah. complaints in the workplace, and they've done the studies on that, they, the surveys that people would choose to be appreciated more than to have a pay increase. Uh, if they're not respected and go further than if they're belittled, if they're minimized, which happens, I mean, that is. I don't know that that's something that you want resilience from. And I, and I don't say this lightly to just say, hey, go ditch your job. I know it's a big, hairy deal for some people, but there are workplaces that put a priority on this where they do personality profiles to understand each other and to be able to be in harmony and, and bosses who know that the way to lead is through earning respect and through serving. I mean, there are places out there and there are a lot of entrepreneurs that I know that are working for themselves. And this is one of the reasons why they struggle to be in any kind of environment like that, or they want to be, they need to be the leader, whatever it is. I'm not making a case for any way, but of self-awareness. And just again, as always of the gravity of relational, our relational health on our overall health. And I think to some of the degrees as we talk about it their way, that way, I wonder maybe I'm just more fragile than most instead of being stronger, maybe in some aspects, 
Well, there again, if we put you on a mountain bike, you're not. You That's are not a relation. So I've got a good relationship you, with the, like, my mountain bike. With yourself on a mountain bike. <laughs> and staying away from the ground. But at, at, the, at the same time, you in your 48 years uh, with, with wisdom and openness and learning can say these things now. And I loved what you said earlier that, and because I would also testify to a marriage that I am blessed with, and it is the buoyancy. I, I think of, you know, it, it is, it, it, it's sustaining and building, or it's a little bit draining and tearing down. And of course, we all ebb and flow through both mm-hmm. of those, but are you mostly yeah. on one side or the other? And, and just like your own health, you can't expect it, you know, marriages are going to die too, right? Somebody is going to exit this relationship through death, and then, the, and then it ends. You still have to be okay with yourself in a room by yourself and all of that. So we're back to the infinite complexity of your marriage is a product of your own relationship with yourself and what you came from and, and all of that, which is why I think you know, God put such a big emphasis on it, and he even calls himself uh, the bridegroom to us and, and all of those kind of things because here's the example of this infinitely complex relationship. And it's a, it is a microcosm of this macrocosm of our own relationship with ourselves. Um, well, yeah. he, so that's where I was going to land is the relationship because <laughs> you wrote that down even in our show notes was a relationship with ourselves. As we're looking at these relationships and auditing them, which I think is what this call, this show calls us all to do to audit these relationships, good and bad, positive, negative, however, is to audit ourselves for our, our, if, if I have a bad relationship with myself, a poor self image, I'm you know struggling with uh, my own demons. That's going to affect them all. So I'm the first place to address that. And without that self awareness, I can't really even healthfully, for the most part, audit the relationships in my life. I mean, again, we know some people who are just outright bad medicine. You know, right. bad news that we do not need to be around, and we can try to love them, have compassion for them, whatever. But that is not somebody we need to surround ourselves with and marinate in throughout the day. Uh, whether that's any relationship. And again, I'm always hedging because when, with marriage, I'm, I'm sure I'm never going to say, Hey, if it's, you know, bad relationship, jump out of it. Uh, you're going to have to figure your own way through right. that. But, um, but if it is bad, you are not going to withstand it. Let's say that or there's not going to, it is not going to bear good fruit in your life, in your body and in your relationships with other people as well. It's going to bear, it's, it's going to, it's going to come out. Well, there you go, folks, uh, a charge to audit the health of the relationships in your lives. And if you are suffering any physical or mental maladies, the question how your relationships are degrading or lifting your overall health. Hey, thank you as always for listening to this self-helpful podcast. It'd be great if you leave a review of your thoughts on this specific episode. And the best thing you can do is talk about something you heard or learned here today with someone else. I sincerely hope I've helped you. Help yourself.